This is the Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. Before the world began to breathe And you knew our names before we came to 
And now, as we begin our preparation for the reading in the New Testament, our scripture today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 36. We'll see here that Jesus sought solitude after the news of John's death. Sometimes we may need to deal with our grief alone. Jesus did not dwell on his grief, but returned to the ministry he came to do. Jesus performed some miracles as signs of his identity. He used other miracles to teach important truths. But here we read that he healed people because he, uh, quote, had compassion on them, end quote. Jesus was and is a loving, caring, and feeling person. When you're suffering, remember that Jesus hurts with you. He has compassion on you. Now, Jesus multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed over 5,000 people. I would love to have been there just to see that on that day <laughs> and maybe have a bite to eat. What he was originally given uh, seemed insufficient, but in his hands, it became more than enough. Now, we often feel that our contribution to Jesus is meager, that he can use and multiply whatever we give him, whether it's talent, time, or team thousand. The number of men is listed separately because in the Jewish culture of the uh, time, men and women usually uh, ate separately when in public. The children ate with the women. All right, seeking solitude was an important priority for Jesus. He made room in his busy schedule to be alone with the Father. Spending time with God in prayer nurtures a vital relationship with Him and equips us to meet life's challenges and struggles. Develop the discipline of spending time alone with God as it will help you grow spiritually and become more and more like Christ, which, of course, is our goal as Christians. And with that, let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. January 22nd, the New Testament, Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 36. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples, who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. 
Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Psalm 18, verses 37 through 50. In asking God to destroy his enemies, David was simply asking him to give the wicked the punishment they deserved. David's great power had become legendary. God had given him victory in every battle. The book of 2 Samuel records uh, the victories over the Jebusites, the Philistines, Hadadezer of Zobah, the Arameans, the Edomites, and the Ammonites. But David did not attribute his victories to himself, never. He fully realized that the purpose of his position was to bless God's people. Psalm 18, verses 37 through 50. I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down so they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They called for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as dust in the wind. I swept them into the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You appointed me ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. Foreign nations cringe before me. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He subdues the nations under me and rescues me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life.
Scripture reading is Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Speaking of Jesus. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. 
Have you ever foregone your daily prayer time thinking, I'm just too busy to pray today? Whenever we surrender quiet time for something else, we're making a statement about our priorities. It's a not-so-subtle way of saying, Jesus, my calendar is more important to me than you are today. I'll have to catch up with you later. We all do this on occasion, don't we? Skipping prayer now and then is all too easy because since we know the Lord is always there, we figure we can make up the time later. It's as though we've taken God's eternal indwelling presence for granted with the thought, the Lord will still be here tomorrow, but I've got to get this done today. What we fail to realize is that our quiet time with God is what empowers us to face the challenges of the day. Therefore, the busier our day, the more time we should spend in prayer preparing for it. The Bible clearly shows that Jesus Himself protected His private time with the Father. It's hard to imagine any person having more on his mind, having more things to do, or being in greater demand than Jesus. And yet the times when He was busiest are the times we see Him pulling away from the crowds in order to pray. Is prayer the first thing you cut from your daily agenda when the schedule fills up? Protect that time every day at all costs. Remember, Jesus is God. If He considered prayer necessary to fulfill His obligations, then it's an absolute essential for the rest of us. Ashes rise From this trouble I found And this trouble on the ground I will rise Yes, I will rise Out of these ashes rise From this trouble I found And this trouble on the ground I will rise Because He Who is in I will ever be now where I hide Yes, He who is in me Is greater than I will ever be now where I hide
Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, as we begin this 10-part series on leadership, the first principle is that of pressure, and it's based upon this proverb. You are a poor specimen if you can't stand the pressure of adversity. That's Proverbs 24, verse 10. So we're going to learn about some pressure today. Huh? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's an interesting thing to observe, because everybody should live under pressure but not everybody should live under stress. So we're going to kind of define the differences, and uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, series here. (laughs) Well, going to the principle, I'm going to read as it appears here. There is a difference in being under pressure and experiencing stress, yet in many ways they are similar. Stress comes from having an overload or being trapped or pushed into a corner. It's when we cannot see the end of the tunnel, but we can't go back either. Sometimes in business, we start something that may not work, but the consequences of quitting are greater than that of going ahead. That creates stress, and it can kill us. On the other hand, pressure is more of a choice. In sports, we push ourselves. In business, we make too many appointments and try to accomplish too many things at once. Pressure is usually self-inflicted. So we hold the gun to our own head with this, huh? Oh, yes, saying like uh, uh, pressure is self-inflicted. And and I think uh, I think it's right. I think that uh, we should live under pressure. We should live under pressure to uh, be morally correct. We should uh, push ourselves to saying like to discipline ourselves is what it is. It, it that is pressure. I I think the person that doesn't live under pressure or doesn't self-inflict himself with some pressure, huh. usually never accomplish something. I'm, I'm not even sure he can be a good employee because it is a drive. It is the energy that's in us 
that puts ourselves under pressure because any person that has any vision at all of anything and goes after it will put pressure on himself. You can't be a winner. You can't, you know, sports and everything. Mm. You can't be. But if you, if that turns into pressure, I mean, if that turns into uh, stress, which means that you can't get out of it and you're kind of trapped, then that turns into stress. Now, that's where you have to make decisions. In. That's that one line that says, sometimes the consequences of quitting are greater than that of going ahead. That's what we're dealing with there, huh? Oh, yes. It, it means that, let's say you're in business and you invest lots of money and stuff like that, and you have a good dream and stuff like that, and you go and all of a sudden something happens and you say, I'm not sure this thing's going to work. And now you look and say, like, what can I do? You can't see forward because everything's kind of blocked off, mm-hmm. and then you look at getting out of it and you say, I can't get out of it because I got maybe a million bucks that are sitting here, and, and what, how am I going to pay it? How, what's my future going to be? And then that causes stress. That That's difficult. I mean, that, And everybody gets in the situation once in a while that stress is there. Anybody that lives under pressure uh-huh, and is uh-huh. an achiever will have some moments of stress. Mm-hmm. But you got to be careful with that. That's dangerous. That's beautiful. Returning to the principle, it says, we would not have to play or work that hard, but we choose to by setting too many goals or wanting to win too much. In the end, pressure may turn into stress. But in many of these situations, we can readjust our goals and even use a back door and get out of the pressure situations if we want to. So there is a way out, huh? Well, in most cases, uh, in some cases, it, uh, there's not. But... Uh, uh, you have to learn to live with yourself, and you have to learn to live with uh, managing yourself. And so even though you live in stressful moments, I've lived through a lot of stressful moments, but you got to be able to learn and understand your body, understand your strengths and weaknesses, and then, then adjust yourself a little bit. That's not easy to do. You discover a lot of things about yourself when you try to do that. Hmm. Proactive leaders are identified by these traits. Number one, they have vision. Number two, they have desire. And number three, they thrive on challenge. Oh, that's so true. It, it's, a, it's a proactive. See, this is a, a proactive person is a person that, you know, plans ahead, has a strategy. He's moving forward with uh, direction. And uh, they have vision because that's what drives them. And then have a desire because that the desire makes them, makes the energy flow, you know, keeps them going. And they strive on challenge. They they are not satisfied. Life is not complete unless they're in a challenge somewhere. They're they're not people that want to retire, or they're not people that want to, you know, just uh, take life easy. They want to achieve something, and that's that's in all of us. We need a sense of achievement. But if we if we push it too much, then that creates the stress that we're talking about. But uh, this is a proactive. A proactive person really sets the scale or sets the direction for himself, and he moves that way, and he puts himself under pressure by choice, self-inflicted. You know, that's the way it is. But the reactive person lives under the stress of what has happened, and he's trying to get himself out of it. So there's two different styles of leadership. Oh, I see that so clearly. So if you want to be a good leader, you must learn to live with pressure. There are two types of leaders. One is proactive and the other is reactive. They both face pressure, but the proactive leader looks ahead to see what is coming and puts pressure on himself and others to achieve their goals or avoid a disaster. The reactive leader, on the other hand, reacts to the disaster after it has happened, causing him pressure or even stress. Boy, I see our two management styles right there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's absolutely true, yeah. But uh, it's choice. Uh, These are choices. Now, some people... Uh, turn from a reactive leader into a proactive leader. Uh-huh. 
but uh, normally it has a lot to do with your temperament. A lot yes. if, if your temperament is a certain way, then you are a driven person. You're, you're just not satisfied to be average. Mm -hmm. You just uh, want to excel <laughs> above average. And it's not important, you know, it, it's not that one is it, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It just means that it's the styles that we discover. And uh, but the real leaders are that are really achievers and make a difference in the world are the are the proactive. That they see, see that. something, they push there to go there, and they drag people in with them. Yes, I, I mean see they that. they put pressure on other people too. I mean they they're, they're they're just leaders. They make things happen. Proactive leaders cut a path for others to follow. They are driven by a vision of what needs to be done. To them, getting it done is more important than the cost or pressure it will take in achieving Ooh, their goal. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. They will handle problems that others fear and avoid. Some of their friends will laugh at them and say it cannot be done. But these leaders see into the future. They see things as they should be or could be and strive to bring them about. They dare to do what others will not do. They will run when others quit. They work while others play. They walk where others fear. They live under constant pressure by choice. They could slow down, reschedule, set lower goals, but they want to be achievers. They thrive on a living under pressure life. That's that's amazing to me that you could thrive under pressure. That is, it's almost an addiction. I mean, it's almost addiction. When you learn to achieve and get the feeling of achievement, saying like, for an example, in sports, a lot of times when a, when a person, people get high on uh -huh. a game, Sometimes people play over their head. They they call it yes. over their head. Yes. They they play 110 percent or 150. They play better than what they really are. It means that they get that feeling, that adrenaline flowing, that that makes them feel like achievers. And I can, I can, I will, I will. You know, and it drives them. It makes them be better than what they really are in business or in life. That's how that's how it is. That you get those moments. And those feelings are so good that you don't want to live without them. You know, so they're not. You can't live on the edge like that all the time. Mm -hmm. But there's moments that you want to have moments again like that. You know. Now here's a real key: no one is a born leader. Most of us have the potential, but only a few will pay the price to live under that pressure. Good leaders take risks, causing pressure. They are willing to handle the problems that are in the way of their goals or destiny. They are driven by a desire, and they see problems as hurdles, not walls. To them, life is a game of overcoming, and pressure is accepted as just part of that winning process. So they get so used to it that life does not seem right without it. They know that without a challenge, there is no achievement, and without pressure, there is no progress. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I like this one here. It says... Um to them, life is a game of overcoming, and pressure is accepted as a part of the winning. That is absolutely so true. It's like um, uh, it's a. It, I look at I look at life as a game. That that we're in this game. God has given us life, and now what are you going to do with it? What where where are you going to go with it? And so, if you don't have a dream, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a desire to go somewhere, then life becomes stagnant. You know, and uh, and it's a bore. You know. But once you once you sense that uh, and and understand that it's a game, that you can make a game out of life. Every morning you get up, it's like a game. It's like a game of winning and losing by choices that we make, and that puts drive in you. It's excitement in life and saying like you get up with a bang and saying like, hey, I'm ready to go and let me see what I can do. And uh, it, it's almost it, it it becomes almost like an addiction. People have said that you know that that you can be a workaholic 
You really can be a workaholic. It's like I get more pleasure out of working than I do out of vacations. To, to me, vacations are a waste of time. <laughs> you know, even when I'm on vacation, I love to think and dream while I'm on vacation. So everything I look at when I'm on vacation, I think, hey, that'd be a good thing to do. Hey, that's a potential. And so even on vacation, your mind is on offense of thinking of possibility. So you never are stuck with saying like, well, there's no nothing to do, not no place to go. It's like um, it's it's a proactive uh, advancement in your spirit somewhere. That uh, and we're just designed to be that way. And if a person is not that way, uh, you need everybody needs a measure of that because life becomes a bore if if you're not. So you can't just. Uh, uh-huh. it, it's a game that we play. You know, and I look at life as a game. It's like, and you can you can choose how you play the game. Lord, give us good leaders who can handle the pressure and solve the problems, both now and in the future. Leaders who will dare to challenge the status quo and dare to stand as pillars of truth in our communities and our world. Leaders that have dreams that can be fulfilled and are not afraid of the pressure. John, are there people listening to this tape right now that would fear pressure, do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people try to avoid pressure. Uh, they they think that uh, pressure is the same as stress. Uh, that there's there's that's a difference. There's a difference between pressure and stress. Anybody that does not live under certain pressure really is almost like a blah in life. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like a, they, they they don't want to even participate in life. They're they're bored. You know, they they think the world's all wrong. They they think everybody's against them. And uh, that's not designed by God. God Himself is not that way, and He has not designed life to be. He made us with a mind that is on offense with exploration. It, it, it is made to achieve. It is made to dream. It is made to think in the future. And uh, and so when you shut that off completely, you're, you're, you're almost like dead in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, with no dreams, no, no, no motivation. And if you don't have no motivation, you know, you have no energy. Energy comes from having a dream. The, the body responds to the mind. It's a slave. The body is a slave to the mind. The mind dreams, and then the body has to achieve. Uh, the goals. So, uh, yeah, it is. It is a game, and and nobody's born a leader. You know, nobody's born proactive. Uh, but some people have more tendency of being proactive. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's some of the decisions we make. Uh, do we want to get into the game? In other words, do we want to get into the game, or don't we? <laughs> John, I'd like you to recap the principle of pressure, and if you would give us some keys to living dynamically. Uh, yes, uh, there's a couple of them. I want to make a comment. Uh, uh, if you are a leader, you will live under pressure. The reason is because if you are a leader, you have a vision, and you will push yourself. So that causes pressure. So that's you should expect that. The other thing is this: that if you don't push yourself, you can't lead because uh, in order to lead, you have to be ahead of people. And so as a leader, you have to push ahead because you blaze the trail for others. You have to accept pressure as a part of it. If you don't live under pressure, you feel uncomfortable because that's what it is. You don't, uh, if you don't have a dream, of course, you can't push yourself because that then creates what you call uh, stress. Uh, this is the way we're designed. This is the way God made us. The mind has a dream and uh, the mind puts pressure 
on the body to achieve it. And that's what pressure is all about.
podcast thanks for listening and make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of transformation radio